You know that's the sound of another sale on your online Shopify store. But did you know Shopify powers selling in person too? That's right. Shopify is the sound of selling everywhere. Online, in store, on social media, and beyond. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in-line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash crimes, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash crimes to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash crimes. Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Voices for Justice is a podcast that uses adult language and discusses sensitive and potentially triggering topics, including violence, abuse, and murder. This podcast may not be appropriate for younger audiences. All parties are innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. Some names have been changed or omitted per their request or for safety purposes. Listener discretion is advised. My name is Sarah Turney, and this is Voices for Justice. Today I'm discussing the disappearance of Chelsea Grimm. In late September 2023, 32-year-old Chelsea Grimm left her home in San Diego, California to drive to Connecticut for a wedding. But a few days into her trip, she'd only gotten as far as Phoenix, Arizona. This should have been about a five or six hour drive from San Diego. But at this point, Chelsea calls her parents and lets them know that she thinks this entire cross-country trip idea is just too ambitious and she can't make the drive alone. But she's not quite ready to come home yet. Since she's already in Arizona, she says that she's going to stay for a few more days in camp, and she warns them that they should expect her to be in areas without cell service. Basically a call to tell them not to worry, and that she'll be home in a few days. But more than a few days pass without being able to get in touch with Chelsea, and her parents report her missing on October 4th. The very next day, Chelsea's vehicle is found. It was abandoned on a dirt road with two flat tires. 
and her phone, wallet, tent, sleeping bag, some clothing, and her beloved pet-bearded dragon were all missing from the vehicle. Now, at first, Chelsea's parents and investigators believed that flat tires aside, maybe Chelsea just went camping, like she said she would. But as they begin to dig deeper, they find that during these few days between last speaking to her parents and her vehicle being found, a lot happened including Chelsea having an interaction with the local sheriff's office and attempting to pay for a hotel room in Euros, stating that she was trying to stay off the grid. This is the case of Chelsea Grimm. As of recording this episode, it's been about a month since 32-year-old Chelsea Grimm set out on a cross-country trip from her home in San Diego to Connecticut to attend a wedding. Now, Chelsea had actually planned to fly out to the wedding, but she'd recently gotten a pet-bearded dragon she calls Roz or Roxy, and the airlines wouldn't let her bring it on the plane. So on the day she was supposed to fly out, she calls her parents and says that she's going to drive to the wedding, and basically just make a road trip out of it. Now, of course, this would be a very ambitious drive for anyone, to travel about 3,000 miles across basically the entire United States like that would take about 43 hours of driving time not even factoring in stopping for gas, food, stopping to let her pet-bearded dragon use the restroom, or sleeping. Even if she could drive 12 hours a day, she's still looking at about three and a half days to get to Connecticut. But according to Chelsea's parents, she's a very loving, compassionate person, which means if she can't take her new bearded dragon with her, driving seemed like her best option. So on Sunday, September 24th, 2023, Chelsea sets out on her trip in her white 2019 Ford Escape SUV. We can assume that she packed everything she might need for the wedding. Clothes, toiletries, that kind of thing. And we do know that she packed camping gear, specifically a tent and a sleeping bag. According to an interview Chelsea's mother Janet did with Brian Enton from News Nation, Chelsea was kind of up for anything in terms of her sleeping arrangements. She told her mom that she did have gear for camping, but she was just going to see how things would go. She might camp or she might get a hotel. She was keeping her plans pretty loose. But just three days later, on Wednesday, September 27th, Chelsea had only made it to Arizona, just the next state over. Now, unfortunately, we don't really know what Chelsea was doing for these three days, or why it took her three days to complete what should have been about a six-hour drive. And I can say that I've made this drive several times. Even on the longest route, it's pretty much just a lot of freeway. It's an easy drive. Even if for some reason she didn't have directions, wasn't using GPS, it's really not easy to get lost. But on the 27th, she meets with a friend in Phoenix at her home, and they make plans to have brunch together the next day. That afternoon, Chelsea called her parents and explained what was going on. She said that she'd only made it to Arizona, and that she didn't think she could drive to Connecticut for the wedding by herself, so she says she's going to skip the wedding. But she wasn't planning on going straight home. She told her parents that she planned to stay in Arizona for a couple more days and do some camping, and then she'd make the drive back home to San Diego. Or at least, that's what they assumed. Janet told News Nation, quote, She said I'm only as far as Arizona. I don't think I can do this by myself which we tried to explain. But she said, I think I'm just going to skip the wedding, stay here for a couple days, do a little camping. And then she made it sound like she was going to head back to San Diego. Now, Janet and Stephen Grimm say that this isn't totally unlike their daughter to change plans at the last minute. While she did usually keep her parents informed of what was going on, 
In the same interview, her father said, quote, She was spontaneous. She changed plans a lot. This wasn't the first time she ever changed a plan for sure. The magnitude of this adventure, of driving across the country, was a lot, even for Chelsea. At this point, Chelsea's parents say that they suggest a few different options for her to get back home, and even offer to fly her back home from Phoenix to San Diego so she doesn't have to make the drive. But they say that Chelsea just didn't want to change her plans. She tells them she's just going to make the best of it and camp for a few days. She also gives them a heads up that the areas she plans to visit will have little to no cell service. A few days passed and Chelsea's parents didn't hear from her. They figure she just didn't have cell service. But as a few days turned into almost a week, they began to worry. Although Chelsea is 32 years old and had a newer, presumably reliable car, this was out of character for her. Her parents describe her as an artist who is very compassionate and an over-communicator. It just wasn't like her to not tell them what was going on, knowing how worried they would be. So, on October 4th, they finally decide to report her missing to the Phoenix Police Department. And the next day, her vehicle was found. This episode of Voices for Justice is brought to you by June's Journey. I'm pretty sure everyone here loves a good mystery, especially one with as many twists and turns as June's Journey. You get to step into the role of June Parker and search for hidden clues to uncover the mystery of her sister's murder. You engage your observation skills to quickly uncover key pieces of information that lead to chapters of mystery, danger, and romance. So what does that mean? Well, June's Journey is a hidden object mystery game. Essentially, you find hidden clues and uncover this mystery. But it's also more than that. You can customize your own luxurious estate island, you can join a detective club, and put your skills to the test in a detective league. I like that you can play totally alone, or if you want to play with other people, you can do that too. I find myself playing June's Journey in little breaks during the day, or most frequently at night before I go to bed. Whether you're craving a good mystery or just looking for an escape, I really do recommend June's Journey. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. On Thursday, October 5th, 2023, the Coconino County Sheriff's Office responded to a call of a suspicious vehicle. This was near Forest Service Road 6, northeast of Ash Fork, Arizona. The vehicle was found in the middle of a dirt road, and both tires on the right side were flat. Some local hunters saw the vehicle and realized something seemed off. It was locked, but some belongings were inside, and the owner was clearly gone and not camping anywhere in the area that they could see. So the responding officer presumably runs the plate and realized it belonged to Chelsea Grimm, who was reported missing to the Phoenix Police Department about 24 hours earlier. And this is really where the investigation into Chelsea's case begins. As they become more familiar with the circumstances surrounding Chelsea's disappearance, they are able to identify some items missing from the vehicle. Her cell phone, wallet, some clothing, sleeping bag, tent, and her beloved bearded dragon were all gone. But at this point, they don't know if something terrible happened, if Chelsea was just camping like she told her parents she planned to do, or if she just got a ride from someone and hasn't gotten in touch with her parents yet. So they begin to investigate and trace Chelsea's steps, and they develop a pretty detailed timeline. Here's what we know. Chelsea canceled her plans to have brunch with that friend in Phoenix on September 28th. 
Instead, she drove about 170 miles north to the small town of Seligman, Arizona. And when I say small, I mean this town is tiny. In 2020, they had a reported population of just over 900 people. But Chelsea finds a hotel that she wants to stay at in this town. And the employee that helped her does report some odd behavior. They say that she seemed disoriented and actually tried to pay in euros, saying she was trying to stay off the grid. According to a handful of sources, the same night, Chelsea was seen speaking with a, quote, Williams neighbor in their driveway. Now, they are referring to Williams, Arizona, which is a town close to Seligman. But to be totally honest, I don't know exactly what this means. Chelsea doesn't have a home in Williams, and wasn't reported visiting a friend there either at least as far as we know right now. So I think we should just take this to mean she was speaking to a person in their driveway. I'll admit that it's a little confusing, but at this point, there's so little out there about Chelsea. I just want to include any interactions with her that I can. And this isn't where Chelsea's activity ends for the night. At around 10.30 p.m., the Coconino County Sheriff's Office responds to a suspicious activity call in the Williams Cemetery and here an officer finds Chelsea crying in her SUV. She explains that she's there to work on a photography project about missing soldiers. Now, this is another detail that I was confused about when I first heard it. But in that interview with News Nation, her parents give some background about their daughter and explain why they didn't think it was odd at all. They describe Chelsea as an artist and a photographer who supplements her income with her art. Not only that, they also explained that Chelsea really loved her grandfather, who was a World War II veteran. So this project about missing soldiers that she mentions just isn't a red flag for her parents. Chelsea also tells the officer that she was planning to camp nearby, and he suggests that she might want to go to the Love's travel stop across the way just to be safe. Now, the officer that night was wearing a body cam, and this interaction seems to have lasted about nine minutes but I want to play you some clips from the audio so you can hear Chelsea's demeanor for yourself. Hello. Hello. How are you doing? I'm okay. How are you? Are you doing all right? Yeah, I just was doing a photo shoot of the lost soldiers and got a little emotional, so I'm so... I was crying before okay. I got back on the road. Yeah, if it's okay with you, to, yeah. if I hang out here for another like 15 or 20 and then head on the road, that would be my plan, sure. I think. Do you have like a hotel around here or anything? I don't. I was actually thinking of just camping for the night, but I wasn't really sure exactly yet. Gotcha. Well, I didn't you, plan to be here until sunset. The yellow lights over there, the loves, it's a trucker stop in, okay. in the gas station area. You can just sleep there. Nobody, oh, will, nobody will bother you. Awesome. Yeah. Love that. Now, in addition to discussing Chelsea's plans for the night... The officer also tells her that he can smell marijuana, and she admits to smoking it earlier in the day. But in the end, the officer decides that Chelsea is not impaired, and he lets her go. Chelsea's parents have commented on this video, and like the officer, they agree that she seemed completely fine, and they don't find anything unusual about this video or interaction. This is not the last time Chelsea was seen but this is the day when all activity on Chelsea's cell phone and credit card stops. And as far as I could find, despite Chelsea posting pretty regularly on social media, that stops here too. From here, there's just one last sighting of Chelsea that we know of. Two days later, on Saturday, September 30th, she spotted about 20 miles west of the Williams Cemetery, northeast of Ash Fork, Arizona. Here, a person only described as a woodcutter sees her camping in her car, 
and this person just seems to do a courtesy check on her. They ask if she's okay, if she needs anything, and according to this person, Chelsea says no. They even go back and check on her a second time, and Chelsea again says that she's fine. Coconino County Sheriff Jim Driscoll told CBS 8, quote, He talked to her around noon, and she said she was fine, and she didn't need any help, and she was out taking photographs. This is the last reported interaction with Chelsea Grimm, before her parents reported her missing four days later on October 4th, 2023. I think this timeline can be a little confusing, but it's crucial. So let's do a little recap. On September 24th, 2023, Chelsea leaves for Connecticut. On September 27th, she meets her friend in Phoenix, and tells her parents that she's canceling the rest of her road trip, but plans to stay in Arizona for a few more days to camp. The next day on the 28th, she cancels her plans to see her friend again, and is seen about three hours north of Phoenix in Seligman, Arizona, where she tries to pay for a hotel room in Euros, telling the employee she's trying to stay off the grid. But she doesn't stay at that hotel. She then travels about 40 minutes east to Williams, where she's seen speaking to someone in their driveway, and she's seen later that night in the Williams Cemetery, where an officer approaches her and suggests that she stays at the Love's Travel Stop just across the freeway. Now, as of this recording, we don't know if Chelsea took that officer's advice to go to Love's. This is actually something Kelly Townsend, the PI her parents hired, says he's trying to look into. Chelsea's seen just one last time two days later about 20 miles east of Williams near Ash Fork, Arizona. Then, four days later, on October 4th, she's reported missing and the next day her vehicle is found near Ash Fork in the middle of the road with both right tires flat. And this is where Chelsea's trail ends, or at least what we know of her trail right now. There have been some large searches for Chelsea. The Coconino County Sheriff's Office say that they've had hundreds of people on the ground searching for her, as well as aerial support near where her SUV was found. They've also notified authorities in Connecticut and in surrounding states about Chelsea's odd disappearance. At this point, authorities aren't really sure what to think. While their initial statements early in the case leaned away from foul play, they now say it's possible. Or Chelsea could just be lost. Chelsea's father, Stephen, told News Nation, quote, She was upset with a boy she was dating. She was scared of him. We feel like she was running away from him. And I think overall, that was affecting a lot of her mindset. But authorities have said that all of Chelsea's ex-boyfriends have been ruled out. Chelsea's parents have been pretty open with authorities that she has had some mental health concerns in the past. But they say nothing like this has ever happened. Or anything major in general. And Chelsea's friend, that responding officer, and the woodcutter who last saw her, all report that she seemed fine. However, authorities are not ruling out the possibility that Chelsea is suffering from some type of crisis right now. While of course foul play is being considered, her parents believe that the fact that Chelsea's pet bearded dragon was missing from the vehicle when it was found is a good sign. They think that this means that she could have left her vehicle willingly. Her mother said, quote, Chelsea has always had a special spot in her heart for children, elderly people, and animals. She would never leave an animal behind. She just wouldn't do it. So I think that is a telltale sign. 
And of course, the fact that her wallet, tent, sleeping bag, and some of her clothing were also taken does seem to point towards Chelsea making some type of alternative plan after her SUV got those two flat tires. But unfortunately, this is pretty much where Chelsea's case is today. As of this recording, it's been about a month since she was last seen. Which brings me right to our call to action. This is a very new case, obviously. And I think that there's a lot of hope that Chelsea could be found. While her case has gotten some news coverage, I'd love to see a sense of urgency for her. We all know how crucial these first few hours, days, and weeks are after someone goes missing. No matter what happened to Chelsea, she has loved ones looking for answers, and multiple agencies looking for her. Please share her story, and please share her photo. I will have the last known photo of Chelsea, and photos of her vehicle, tattoo, and bearded dragon on the Voices for Justice social media pages and website for easy sharing. But please share. As a reminder, 32-year-old Chelsea Grimm was last seen on September 30th, 2023, northeast of Ash Fork, Arizona. She is a white female, with light brown or blondish hair and blue eyes. She is 5 foot 8, weighs approximately 115 to 135 pounds, and has a tattoo of a vine with leaves on it on her left forearm. Her 2019 white Ford Escape SUV has been recovered. Anyone with information is asked to call the Coconino County Sheriff's Office at 928-774-4523. But as always, thank you, I love you, and I'll talk to you next time. Voices for Justice is hosted and produced by me, Sarah Turney, and is a Voices for Justice media original. If you love what we do here, please take a moment to follow and rate the show in your podcast player. It helps us and helps more people find these cases in need of justice. Welcome to The Secret After Show. I don't have a ton to say about Chelsea's case that I haven't already said. Obviously, I have a sweet spot for cases that are in my own backyard. And because I knew so much about, like, the routes that she traveled, I, I just, I don't know, I felt compelled to cover it, and you guys know how I am. Sometimes I find these brand new cases that I guess I personally feel like aren't getting a ton of attention sometimes and just want to help share. And I'll say it again, I know I've said it in past episodes and I don't mean to preach, but um, I never want this show to have such a high barrier for cases that cases that might produce a shorter episode like this one can't make it on. So I know that that's not everybody's preferred style. Sometimes I know you guys get a little bummed out when the episodes are shorter, but Chelsea's case is brand new and 
I really meant what I say. Um, I don't know why I always say that. Obviously, I think you guys know I mean what I say, but those first few days and hours and weeks and months are so, so crucial. And instead of waiting for more, you know, uh, developments to come out, more details to come out to make it a longer episode, I just wanted to put out what we have and, you know, uh, just share it to you guys. So please share Chelsea's case. Um, I don't know. Let's hope that she's found. On to what's going on with me, what I'm reading, what I'm watching. I guess just generally what I'm up to is probably what this segment, when I include it, is going to be. And I just wanted to say a few things. Um, one, for anybody who may have watched Kendall Ray, uh, my video with her, her podcast version is actually coming out to, on the day that this episode airs. Um, and in it, I have this uh, this announcement that I teased on Twitter um, that Voices for Justice is becoming a network, and that is taking up so much of my time right now, which is fantastic. I am so happy to do it. I am so excited to be launching some new shows, and I can finally tell you that um, the first new show will be launching early on next year, so we are just a few months out from that happening, and I'm just excited. I'm excited to continue working, um, and like I say in my announcement with Kendall, I will be primarily working closely with families so that they can tell their own story, you know, very much inspired, of course, by the first season of this podcast. I always knew that I wanted to enable families to tell their own stories in their own words, and I will say that a big part of all of this is acknowledging that we cannot be completely unbiased, right? I think that in order for this entire concept of family members talking about their own cases that are close to them, you have to acknowledge that. You have to come forward and just say, you know, obviously, I think we all try to be as unbiased as possible, but being so close to a case, we obviously have such a different perspective on things. So I just want to put that out there first and foremost, um, that no one is creating a show saying this is a completely unbiased view of this case. The entire concept behind some of these new shows that I'm launching is basically you've heard these stories from so many other people, depending on the case and the family, but most of them, you've heard them from so many other people, and now the families just want to tell it for themselves, tell it with mostly new information, exclusive interviews, things that people have never heard before, and certainly told in their own words, which is never, ever, ever been done before in these cases. So I just want to say that is taking up a lot of my time, which means all that stuff you're not seeing, right? Because none of this stuff is coming out yet. I've been working on this network for over two years at this point, which is just insane. Um, but like I said, early next year, you will get uh, the first new show. So of course, no, um, <laughs> I'm like so excited. I'm tripping on my words. Of course, more information about that will be coming out as we get closer. And I guess just stay tuned. Now, moving on to something I watched, which is a little bit different. It, it's actually it was a fictional um, horror comedy, if you will. It's called Totally Killer. And it has a uh, was it Kiernan? Uh, oh, my gosh. Here I am not able to pronounce stuff in the after show again. It's uh, Kiernan Shirpka. Hold on. Hold on. Hold, please. 
Kiernan Shipka, who um, you guys might know as the uh, daughter from Mad Men, but she was also in Adventures of Sabrina, you know, Sabrina the Teenage Witch. But I just saw this movie kind of, uh, uh, you know, available for streaming, and it's called Totally Killer. And the concept is, uh, I don't want to ruin the movie for you, but the concept is this girl goes back in time to, you know, help prevent a serial killer, essentially. And, you know, it was a funny movie or whatever that I felt was, um, you know, not so serious, but also not so light. They actually, I felt like they had some really clever undertones and really clever statements under the radar they were making. Essentially, part of the story is, you know, of course, there's a true crime podcaster following uh, this case of this serial killer, and it's really becomes a parody of true crime podcasting. And the scary and funny part about all these parodies about true crime podcasts is they are so true. So I watched Totally Killer. If you're looking for something that is lighter, but also, I mean, in my opinion, lightly discusses some issues in the true crime community, I would recommend it. I didn't find it offensive in any way. Um, I thought it was funny. I thought it was well done. And I thought that it really did address these issues without addressing them head on. And if anybody ever saw Megan is Missing, which I will warn you is an extremely graphic movie. If you are not ready for that, don't do it. I warn families not to watch it all the time. Um, I think that it borders on CSA. Uh, yeah, CSAM. I always forget that acronym. Forgive me. I think it really does border on that, and I have huge concerns with it. But if you've watched it, you know that there's this uh, parody of the news covering this case. And my whole point is, I love when movies do that. That is um, the only part, really, of Megan is Missing that I enjoyed, because it's so true. Um, yeah, I don't know. I love true crime parodies, and maybe that's weird, but... They make me laugh out loud because they are so just true to life and it shows how ridiculous this genre can be sometimes. And I think when you put that in a format that's meant to be funny and it's meant obviously satire, I think it gets across to an audience a lot better than just preaching at them. And um, I'm not sure if I've ever talked about this before, but I have flirted with the idea of doing a true crime parody podcast um, because obviously, as you guys know, I have a lot of thoughts and feelings on this community and I never, you know, I don't want to do it in a way where I feel like I'm wagging my finger at you and I'm preaching at you because I truly feel like you know, you guys can do what you want and creators can do what they want. I think people who have an interest in minimizing harm are awesome. I really do love people like that. Um, but yeah, I, I think when you do it in a comedic way that really points out the issues, it can be a really effective way to kind of just open people's eyes to how ridiculous things are. Like in Megan is Missing specifically, uh, you know, there's this fake news anchor that I think is supposed to be like Nancy Grace. And they grab this like random person who like didn't know her or like knew her for like a few minutes or whatever. And they're like, yeah, I met her once. And, you know, they talk all about her. And it's just, it's so funny because it's true. Like I said, even in Alyssa's case, I remember watching the news and they would have the most random people interview for these things. I'm like, that person never even met Alyssa. That person met my dad two or three times. So I guess overall, true crime parodies are really funny to me. Um, check out Totally Killer if you're into something light, something funny, but also 
with some serious undertones. Now, shifting complete gears, um, we are on to our segment of hope, and I'm going to do my best not to cry. <sighs> Ugh, okay, so, um, Alicia Navarro, whose case, it's one of the first cases I covered outside of Alyssa's. If you guys remember, Alicia was 14. She went missing in September, I believe in 2019. I don't have my notes in front of me. Um, it was, you know, Alicia left a note and told her mom that she would be back. And the prevailing theory was that she met someone speaking to them online and that they groomed her and got her to leave her home and go with them. Of course, um, I think most of us know that Alicia later, uh, years later, walked into a police station in Montana and said, I am Alicia Navarro. I am not missing. Take me off your list, essentially. But she was still with this man. Um, and all the details aren't out, so I can't say everything. But, you know, she was found with this man. Um, he was quite a bit older. And of course, all the concerns were there. Alicia did not return home at that time. Instead, this man took her to a reservation where his mother lived. And it kind of sat like that for a minute. Um, People didn't really know what to think. We didn't know what was going on. We didn't know how Alicia was feeling. And um, this week, it was announced that Alicia is back with her mom, Jessica. And uh, that is all I'm going to say about it. Um, they deserve privacy. Alicia deserves all the privacy to heal. Obviously, she's still extremely young. It is still an extremely, I have to imagine, an extremely confusing situation for her, um, but she is back home with her mom. And obviously, the reason this makes our segment of hope is because um, of the outcome. So I just want to say thank you so much for sharing her story. Um, Because Alicia's case is local to me, I had, uh, you know, the opportunity to get very close to her mom, Jessica, and attend and sponsor many events for Alicia and meet her siblings. And, you know, I brought, uh, you know, I brought the kids that I care for in my life uh, to those events. And, you know, they ask about Alicia all the time. So uh, thank you. I knew I was going to get emotional, um, so and so I, I don't want to blubber into this microphone because I know that that can be so annoying, um, but again, I just want to say thank you, and again, that's what it's all about. Just like last, you guys keep making me cry with these segments of hope, um, just like the last segment of hope uh, last week, I it just, this is what it's all about, and of course, like, you know, I think just like Alyssa's case and like so many cases that are resolved, um, it is this huge, amazing group effort that usually happens over a number of years, if not decades. So uh, I just hope that you know that, you know, everybody was a part of that. Every share counts. Every time somebody showed up to an event, every time somebody left a kind comment for Alicia's mom, it all adds up. And um, now she's home and she can heal. And uh Unless, uh, for some reason, Alicia wants to speak out, this will be the last time I mention it, uh, so that, you know, presumably, uh, not presumably, but hopefully, 
you know, the goal with all the families I work with and um, the people at the center of those stories, I I hope they can move on and forget. You know, I I hope that Jessica never needs my help again. I hope that um, they can forget all this happened, heal, move on, and just have the best lives possible. But as always, thank you, I love you, and I'll talk to you next time.